Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friday morning, April the 3rd in 2020 on When I Rise. We're still in year A of the Revised Common Lectionary, and we're doing the Liturgy of the Passion this week. And next week, we'll get to Holy Week. And what's neat about Holy Week is that there are a series of texts for every single day, and so we're going to have plenty of things to choose from next week. But today, uh, the gospel passage for this week, it comes from Matthew chapter 27, verses 11 through 54. This is Jesus' trial before Pilate and then his crucifixion. And so I'm going to not read that whole passage, uh, but here in a moment, I'll paraphrase the main themes and then bring out a couple of conclusions, which will lead us to a time of prayer this morning as we continue to reflect on Jesus' crucifixion, about what that means for us and our salvation and how God is reconciling the world because of what he has done in and through Jesus Christ. So let's spend some time praying this morning as we allow our souls to rise to meet God together in a time of prayer. All right, let me give just an overview of what happens in Matthew chapter 27. So uh, right before this, Judas, who um, sold Jesus over uh, in order to be arrested, has just hung himself because he feels so much shame for what he's done by uh, giving up his Lord. And then so the first several verses are Jesus before Pilate, and Pilate is correctly identified as a governor. And I think Matthew is obsessed with this. He wants correct things uh, to be labeled, and he adds a few things in order to bring out what might be a hidden meaning, but I think what ultimately what we see in this passage in Matthew's perspective is that he sharpens an argument against the Jews. Uh, this is something that the Gospel of John tells us, that Jesus came to those who were his own, but his own did not receive him. And so part of the Gospel is that uh, the chosen ones, uh, those who expected to receive Jesus, rejected him, and therefore guilt re- remains upon them. A couple things happen in this part of the story. Uh, For whatever reason, there was a custom to release a prisoner during the Passover. And uh, I think what we would call this is moral license. Uh, There's a great podcast by Malcolm Gladwell where he talks about this. But there are times when um, violent and uh, oppressive cultures, they will have a little bit of uh, peace, a little bit of mercy in order to unleash their violence uh, among their people. We even saw this in Hitler's Germany, where even though they were enacting this great extermination of the Jews, uh, a couple of Jewish uh, artists and musicians were able to have safety and were able to thrive in that environment because uh, they're almost, since either consciously or subconsciously, oh, we're kind to them and, and it gave them license uh, to un- unleash all this hatred. And so this seems to happen here. And what's interesting is what happens. Barabbas is an insurrectionist. He is one who has a history of violence. He is imprisoned by Rome there in Jerusalem. And when the crowd is given a a chance to choose either between Jesus or Barabbas, they choose Barabbas. Now, Barabbas' name means the son of the father. And so what a great irony here is that the son of God, who is uh, faultless, is uh, going to be crucified, receive the capital punishment of crucifixion, while one who is guilty, quote, quote, son of the Father, is released. And so there, there seems to be a way in which the gospel writers are sketching their story. We would rather have a violent son of the Father who is guilty, who is not reliable to go free in order uh, for 
uh, in order for us to have our own way. And unfortunately, because of that, we give up and we crucify our God because of it. And so uh, Jesus is sentenced to death here. Um, what we see is that the soldiers mock Jesus. You have this interesting uh, divergence. You have Jesus being willing and humbling himself uh, unto death. And then you've got this great accusation that Jesus absorbs. And I think this is important for us because part of the problem in our world, and it's something that every gospel writer, particularly John's gospel, highlights, is that uh, accusation is one of the driving forces behind all of the darkness and disorder in our world. Remember in the Garden of Eden, it started with a subtle accusation. Did God really say? And that ac accusation was taught to Adam and Eve where they accused one another or they accused the serpent. Um, and they even accused God. And so accusation is that which uh, runs rampant in our culture. You see that in human relationships. You see that in political discourse. How we evade any sort of guilt is that we seek to accuse another. And what what is brilliant about what Jesus has done is that he does not respond accusation with accusation. But he remains silent. He almost, what he does here, not almost, but what he does here is that he cancels the cycle of accusation. And this is something that First Peter talks about. Uh, Peter talks about First Peter about when he was accused uh, and when he was threatened, he didn't re reply, but he stood silent as a sheep before the shear. And Jesus uh, launches. He, he actually he absorbs all the accusation and all of his issues and all of his problems and all of his lethal components of it into himself. He doesn't put it back out into the world in order that uh, something new might come in the, the wake of it. And one of the greatest, most beautiful passages of Scripture in response to this is Romans chapter 8, where there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So in the wake of accusation, Jesus gives affirmation. And affirmation leads to grace upon grace. And so we see, even though there's a wild accusation against Jesus, he stays silent. And then even in his death, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then at the end of his life, uh, Jesus gives his hands into the hand, gives his life into the hands of his father. And there is this small band of people who stand faithful to the end with Jesus. And then Joseph of Arimathea uh, goes in a, maybe a dangerous errand and he wants the body of Jesus for an appropriate burial. So we have this culture of accusation this culture of violence, this culture of scapegoating, which is met with a silent and humble affirmation. And perhaps that is what we need most today. We're in the midst of turmoil within our communities and sometimes some of what's happening in our communities is moving appropriate um, call for accountability. But I think what also happens at times is accusation uh, that is just simply a way for us to evade any sort of responsibility for what we've done. And so what we see at Easter is a chance to look at the Son of God and to follow His ways and to be thankful that even though He could have accused us, He decided to remain silent in order to teach us a better way. And so we're grateful for the grace that we find in Jesus Christ, but we're also given the challenge of there's a better way. And so let's pray for the strength to believe this good news, but also to live in this good news and to be people of affirmation and to build a new world around us. So let's spend some time praying this morning.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you this day that as we approach Good Friday and we think about what Jesus did on the cross, we thank you that his life and his sacrifice speaks a better word than anything else that we have experienced in this life. We thank you that you were not content in being rejected and then to re- return that upon us, but you give us the season of mercy. We thank you that your calling is to change our minds uh, because there is a better way. And so, Jesus, first we thank you this morning that you want to forgive us, that you want to restore us, that you want to reconcile us to the Father, that there is life within you. And so, God, we embrace that life fresh and new today. God, we confess that we have sought to find a, our own way by uh, evading responsibility, by returning accusation with accusation, by allowing injustices to run rampant in your world. But God, we thank you that with you there is forgiveness. So God, we ask that you would forgive us. Allow us to be cleansed. Allow us to be restored so that we can live a better way. God, we thank you this day that you've called us to be people of affirmation, that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, that you've called us to love one another as God in Christ has loved us. So God, this day, may there be encouragement upon our lips. May there be praise upon our lips. May there uh, be mercy upon our lips because your word says that mercy triumphs over judgment. And so God, this day, I pray that your people, all of us, we would be known that we speak a better word and that word is mercy and forgiveness. So help us, Lord, we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.